you have your Bible today, <clears throat> turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, where the text for today is printed there on page 8 in your bulletin, sorry, 9. Just a few verses from Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 8. Hear, o, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We'll all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. This is the word of the Lord. We ask you now, O God, for the work of your spirit with your word as you've promised to fill us, change us, feed us, cause your glory to shine from us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to preach this sermon series with our younger saints in mind. I'll let you decide if you're one of them. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about our younger saints. And let me tell you guys, you know I love you. I came to Long Island to do youth ministry in 2005. Some of you weren't even born. And I love you guys. I, I carry you constantly on my heart before the Lord. Here's what I see when I look at you. I see you standing between a profound word of God that you've only begun to absorb and a very complex world you've really just begun to experience. Some of you experience it more than others, but you're, I see you standing between the word that you really haven't absorbed very much and a world you haven't experienced very much. Standing between maps you have yet to master and seas that you have yet to sail. That's what I see. And I see so much good. I see such incredible gifts, such potential, such work of God, such grace in you guys. And I see vulnerability. That isn't just true of the young, but I do see vulnerability. I've titled this series, Mere Humanity. God made human beings to live between the Word and the world, to live fully in the Word, full of the Word, and fully in the world, out there doing it all in the world, fully into God's Word, fully in the world. The Bible's term for that is wisdom. Wisdom is being full of God's Word and being 
and it's mastering God's world. That's what humanity was made for. It's what Jesus is saving human beings for. That's what salvation is ultimately about, to become wise, related to God, related to his world. All of the word of God, for all of the world God made, that's humanity as God planned it. And what I want to do in this series, and maybe I'm a little crazy, uh, you know, I've thought about that pretty seriously this week. I want to try in this series to take what I'm going to call 12 very recognizable pieces from the game board of human life. They're listed there on page 9 if you want to look. If you don't like some of these, shoot me an email. We'll talk. That's fine. I can change some of these out. But there are pieces of the human human life. And I want to take 12 of the more recognizable pieces from the game board that is human life. And if you lived as a human for any length of time, these are familiar to you, these 12 pieces. And I want over these weeks to try to hear God's word about these pieces. And I want to ask in this series about each one of these in the world as you and I find it every day, not, you know, sitting in some monastic cell somewhere chanting psalms, but in the actual world you find yourself, I want to ask How can we play these pieces on the game board of life in a way that brings the fullness of the life God wants for us? And how can we participate in helping others find that life, fullness of life that God wants, as opposed to the suicidal death that the Bible tells us awaits those who are wise in their own eyes? Look at me, guys. You young saints are the salt of the earth here and now. It's your time to be the salt and the light of the world. How can we help prepare you for that? Now, Proverbs, as you know, is a book of wisdom. It's a book about God's restored humanity, what it looks like in the real world. And it's no surprise that the very first piece on the board, before any of the other pieces, is the ear. Hear, my son. And I want to just think with you for a minute about these weird-looking things that God put on each side of our head, your ears. I want this stuff to be very recognizable. I want you to, like, feel now and then and remind yourself they're there. And think about this. This is one of the pieces of, on the game board of human life. And I want to think for a moment just about the ear. Because if you think about it, hearing is unique among what have traditionally been called the five senses. Because if you think about smell and taste and touch, for example, these are fairly animal-like. There are things that anim- we share with the animals very much. Animals taste, animals smell, animals feel the world. And that, all of that we share with the beasts. As you begin to kind of go up toward the seeing and hearing, something else begins to enter in that is distinctively human. The hearing faculty that we have, our ears, is this is not the only way through which we can receive the words or the thoughts of another person. You can also read words with your eyes and receive the thoughts of another person that way. But your ear is the only way by which you can receive a human voice or a personal voice. Maybe not even human. But you can receive a voice of another person only through your ears. There is something deeply personal about hearing. The ear receives direct, unmediated, personal communication. Like what's happening right now is what you're hearing right now from me, it's not mediated through a screen. It's not mediated through a printed word. You're getting Ben Miller direct, God help you, 
direct personal communication. That only happens through the ear. And that is why I think there are a few things that touch us so personally as being really heard. I felt like that person really heard me. And if I really want to go for instant, effective personal influence on you, like if I look out in the lobby and I see flames, I'm not shooting off a text. I'm not writing a little sign and holding it up like, fire. No, I'm yelling. I'm going right for your ear. (laughs) Fire, and we all move. Like that, you want direct personal influence on people, that's the fastest way to get it. Go for their ear. The ear is a gateway into the soul of a person in a way that the other senses are not. You want to persuade someone? You want to form someone? You want to train them? You want to deceive them? You want to seduce them? Win the ear. God knows that. It's why he spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. The serpent knew it too, and he whispered in their ears. And the father in this text gets it. The very first word he says, hear my son. Now, I want to explore just briefly today how hearing gets blocked and how hearers get blessed. I want to just think about this for a few minutes. First of all, how hearing gets blocked. You'll notice in the text there are two ways that hearing gets blocked. There are noise issues and there are trust issues. Now, let's start with the noise issues. Hearing gets blocked because of noise issues. Now, just notice with me something in this text. Besides the Father's voice, and besides the voice of Lady Wisdom, who represents God, as we meet her in verse 20, besides those two voices, there are a lot of voices in this little text. There's a lot of noise going on. Some of these voices, besides the Father's and Lady Wisdom's voices, Some of these voices are intentionally enticing the son to violent evil. That's what we see in verse 10 and following. And we'll come back to that in a second. But I'd like you to notice some other noises and voices in the text that are not so much enticing. These are very normal voices and noises. You see them in verse 20 and verse 21. There's no evil agenda here, necessarily, like with the sinners in verse 10. What's going on here is these are just the voices and the noises that you meet in the markets of the world. You know, wisdom cries aloud in the street and in the markets, at the head of the noisy streets, at the entrance of the city gates, and in those kind of noisy places in the world where there's a marketplace and there's all kinds of stuff being bought and sold and there's, you know, the busy street where people are just doing their thing and in the gates of the city where big decisions are being made, there's just a lot of noise. And I'd like you to notice those normal voices, those normal sounds. They're not enticing this boy to to violent sin. But beloved, can you see that even though they're not enticing this boy to sin, they are still competing with the voice of Lady Wisdom. She is having to shout out at the head of the streets to get the attention of people whose ears are full of the din of the markets in the street. Perfectly legitimate. She is calling out The people whose lives are just full, man. I mean, this is Monday morning. They're going about their business, and there's just so many things in their life that that seem so much more urgent than this crazy lady. You know, I mean, I'd I'd have reacted to Lady Wisdom like I react when someone stands up in the middle of a, you know, Long Island Railroad car and starts talking to all of us like we want to hear what this person has to say. What are you doing? (laughs) I'm busy. You know, immediate gains are on the line here. Immediate losses are on the line. I've got, you know, I've got stuff to attend to. Noise issues. If you, beloved, if you young saints, any of you, if you want to hear 
God's wisdom. You cannot have your ears always full of noise. If you want to hear God's wisdom, you cannot have your life always full of even legitimate busyness. You can't. And I say this because, and I am not inconsiderably worried about this, I want to say. We are living in the first generation in the history of Homo sapiens that has had the capacity to have 24-7 market-level din in our ears all the time. You are carrying in your pocket, it will be probably something you consult before you get to the car today, you are carrying a marketplace. You are carrying multiple marketplaces. And we just need to be honest about that. You know I'm not attacking your cell phone. Relax. It is a marketplace. It has, it, it has, it has the noise of a street. I actually am surprised as I talk to Christians now at how resistant Christians have become to the stillness and the quiet that are, beloved, not optional, they are necessary if you want to hear the word of the Lord. If you want to be that Proverbs, that Psalm 1 person who meditates on God's law day and night, you have to be still. You have to be quiet, or it simply will not happen. If you want to attend carefully to those who have wisdom, it's good that your life's full. It's good that your ears are hearing lots of things, but you have to have times when you're not. I would say to those of you who are younger, if you do not draw aside to hear God's wisdom away from the street, if you do not extricate yourselves from the constant buzz that for you guys is normal, you will not even notice when Lady Wisdom has withdrawn herself. Your ears will be so full, your lives so full, your attention so consumed, you will not even notice when God's wisdom departs. I'm going to just lean into this practically. And if this, you know, to be honest, if this, if this, if this creates resistance in your heart, then I just think you're going to have to work that out before the Lord. I'm, I'm going to say it because I've, I've become convinced that this, it, is, it takes this, and if, if we're not willing to do this, then it's just talk. You guys need to practice fasting. You need to practice fasting, not from food, but from the noise, from the din. Some of you guys need a month off from your gaming. You need a month off. Take a month. It will not kill you. Stop watching. Some of you need to stop. Take a month away from your shows. Some of you need to delete for the next two months everything off your phone except a phone call capacity and maybe texting, although better still get rid of the texting. And I already know what you're thinking. What in God's name would I do with all my time? Call me with your revised phone. I will talk to you about that. First thing to do is just sit for a long time with Jesus and pray. I'm serious. When's the last time you sat with Christ and just talked to him in prayer to find out what he might like you to do with some of those hours you're consuming on Netflix or whatever else it is you, you entertain yourself with, beloved? It will not hurt you to fast. I'm not saying be a prude and throw away your phone. I'm not saying don't entertain yourself. I'm saying stop and hear God. Don't even talk about being a serious Christian if you won't do that. Just, just don't. You will not grow spiritually if you can't be still. 
Ask yourself if that show, if that thing, whatever it is, you know, it's your thing, whatever it is, is it imparting wisdom to you? If it's not really, really imparting a ton of wisdom, just fast from it for a while and let Jesus minister to you. Can I give a related parenting tip? Totally unrelated, but a parenting tip related to noise issues. Because parents don't sometimes get this, especially parents with young kids. Noise issues. Your kids have noise issues. You know one of the things I notice about parents? They talk to their kids when their kids are not listening. They talk to their kids when the ear gate is not open. They don't, they, I, I've watched parents, their kids are literally running around. And they're trying to parent them while the kid's still running around. This kid has noise issues. This kid is distracted. And I watch parents jaw at their kids and then turn back to their adult conversation. The kid goes right back to what he was doing. Why? Because the kid never heard you. And you are training that child to be a hearer who never listens. Don't talk to your kid until you have got that child's full attention. John Milton Gregory, in his fantastic book, The Seven Laws of Teaching, said, never begin a class till the attention of the class is secured. Do not talk at your children, especially your young children, until you have got their full attention. If the ear gate is not open, don't just keep talking. Noise issues are a thing. They block hearing. But there's another set of issues, and this brings us to those enticing voices, not just noise issues, and we've all got them now, trust issues, beginning in verse 10. Because getting attention... Getting someone's attention is one thing. Getting their trust is a whole other thing. Not just this person is now paying attention. We've cut through the noise issues, but there's receptivity here. There's openness here. It's interesting to me. Many hearers just don't even notice who it is they've come to trust and why. They just, there are certain people that you just kind of like, you dial into them for whatever reason. You don't even think about why you do. And a lot of talkers don't pay attention to trust issues either. A lot of p parents especially, they assume trust or they demand trust rather than figuring out if they really have kind of earned and secured trust. And I would like you to notice in, in connection with these trust issues, the crossroads in the son's trust. The first crossroad is obvious, and that is between the voice of the father and the voice of these sinners. That's, that's the crossroad the son comes to. Are you going to listen to the father... Or are you going to listen to the sinners when they entice you? And I find the father's approach here very interesting because he invites his son to trust him. That's obviously what this is about. Son, don't. <laughs> Let me talk to you about those enticing sinners. I want you to trust me. But it's interesting the father here does not just simply appeal to his own natural authority that he has because he's got more life experience. I do this with my kids a lot and it annoys them. I've lived, you know, like three times as long as you, so you should trust me. The father doesn't actually do that, although it's probably true that he certainly has more experience than this boy. What he does, interestingly, is he reasons through the difference. He reasons through the difference between quick gratification and lasting goodness. He talks his son through it. One fork in this road will lead to quick gratification. The other fork will lead to lasting goodness. And this is genius. Because that understanding of the difference between the quick gratification and the lasting goodness, that is the, the framework that a child must have to navigate a world of voices, listen, all of which are offering something. See, I think sometimes Christian parents or Christian teachers, and even those of us who are receiving, you know, whether we're young or not, we, 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 we have this idea that God is offering all this goodness, and Satan is offering kind of like nothing. You know, it's just, it's like, you know, death, come die, come eat a poisoned apple. You know, it's just like the, the seduction will be so obvious, that it's just like leading, you know, here's a road to nowhere, and, you know, God has all this glory, and somehow, but the problem is when you actually listen to what the seducers are saying, they're promising all kinds of great stuff. <laughs> 
I mean, no good seducer offers nothing. They offer gain. You will end up with a full purse if you come with us. And it's true. I mean, short term, it's true. It's going to work out. And the naive, they, they hear that, they think, oh, they love me. <laughs> they want me to be a part of their gang. They care about me. Look at what we're going to have such a good time and end up with a big bag of money. And then you go and it works out and you think, you know, dad was a nut. I've been lied to. That's a child who doesn't have the framework. We want what's quick. We want what's easy. And the father understands you've got to train this boy to know the difference between the real short-term gratification, it will come, versus the lasting goodness that will come on that other road, which is the way of wisdom. And it can be a hard sell, and seducers are quick to point this out because on the way of wisdom, here's, the, here's the, how it works on the way of wisdom. If you're listening to the father's voice, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, but you have to be trained to rule it. That's the way of wisdom. God will give you the kingdom. He'll also train you to rule it. Everything that your heart desires, God will give to you, but it's on the far side of discipline. That's the road of wisdom. And these are the famous, quote-unquote, two ways. And the Father just goes right after the two ways. There is gratification now, with death at the end, or there is patience now, and there's authority in the end. Because if you listen to your mother and father, verse 9, you will receive pendants around your neck, like Pharaoh put around Joseph's neck and Belshazzar put around Daniel's neck. This is a symbol of authority. You will be a ruler. You will be one who is placed over cities, to use Jesus' parable. But those are the two ways. And the father's preparing his son to see the difference, which brings us to a less visible crossroad. And this is, this is very interesting. The crossroad not between the father's voice and the sinner's voices, but between the father's voice and the voice in the son's own head. This is another crossroad. Because if you look at verse 22, those enticements, beloved, out there of the sinners trying to get you to come, you know, walk the easy way that results in short-term gain and leads to death, those enticements would not work if you were not already tempted in your own head. Lady Wisdom says, you simple ones, you love being simple. Scoffers delight in their scoffing. Fools hate knowledge. And that's, that's the voice that's playing with the son's own head. There's part of this boy that, that the enticement comes from these sinners and it kind of pulls on him because deep down there's that thing inside of every one of us that really wants, it kind of is in love with my, what, what, my own thinking. I, I, I can find myself almost kind of feeling sort of empowered by my scoffing at, at, and, and, and I, I can just kind of despise being taught, put in that situation where I'm on the receiving end of another lecture, another lesson, another thing I should be doing. And it's interesting, you know, in, in, in our time, there's this mantra, a mantra to young people. Question everything you've ever been taught. If you really have courage, throw off everything that you've been taught. Just throw it all away. Think for yourself. You know, that would actually sound completely moronic, except we're already thinking it. I, I was thinking that. I still have, there's still something inside of me that thinks that that wants to just say, you know, I'm going to do what I think is, I can think for myself. And, and, and you know, Proverbs 28, 26 just rings in my ears again and again. He who trusts in his own mind is a fool. Can I say to you guys again who are young, 
If you don't spend time listening, you don't even know what you don't know. I hope that doesn't insult you. I don't mean that insultingly. If you don't listen, you don't even know what you don't know. If you don't listen, you won't even know what other people know or what they don't know. You've got to spend some time listening, a long time listening, before you have the ability to exercise critical judgment, to have independent judgment that actually is competent and has some, some, some authority to it because you've listened long enough to be able to distinguish you know, the real thing from the false, wisdom from, from just foolishness. And you know, this temptation, just go with your own mind, go with your own feelings, you do you. Forget about all this stuff you've been told. That temptation is the strongest as young people start to discover, beginning with mom and dad, that every one of your human teachers, not one of them is all-knowing and not one of them is all-good. Their knowledge is deficient. Their character is flawed. And that, dear saints, is why we who speak from the very outset of any teaching we do, we need to be pointing our listeners not to our own voice, but to God's voice. I think about this always as a pastor. I do not want you guys listening to Ben Miller. I want you listening to God. And I have to keep pointing you to check his word because it is his word that will enable you to develop some critical judgment about what I say. There are gonna be times when you're gonna say, you know what, Pastor Miller, you're wrong because God says. That's good critical thinking. Not your voice versus mine, but God's voice versus mine. That's what you need. And I need to be pointing you to that, but it also, the beautiful thing about you hearing God's voice and my pointing you to God's voice is you'll be able to keep listening to God's voice even when he speaks to you through a donkey. See, people have this idea, my dad's a donkey, I'm not going to listen to him. I don't know if your dad's a donkey, but I will tell you, God will talk through donkeys. And if you're listening for the voice of God, when your dad speaks the word of God, even if he is a donkey, and I'm not saying he is, that's your words, not mine, you'll be able to continue hearing God's voice even when you realize I'm hearing it through a flawed person who has character issues, who, has, who doesn't know everything, but God's word still rings true. Some of the most valuable things I've ever learned have come through critics who were actually fools. But they spoke some truth, and God used it. And that's the, that's the real crossroad, not the father and the sinners or the father and the son, but that voice in the son's head and the voice of Lady Wisdom. She speaks for God, and it's her voice versus that voice in the son's head. The lie of y'all's generation. The lie. I mean, I think you can probably say everything in North American culture pretty much relates back to this lie one way or another. This is the lie that you will never be happy, you will never be fulfilled. In fact, you won't even really exist unless you are absolutely true to yourself. That is the, the lie of our time. You decide for yourself who you are. You decide for yourself what's good for you, what is true for you, what gives meaning to your life. Your chief end is to be happy, and your feelings are your only guide. Look at me, guys. Can we just be honest? That is, do you, do you hear that? Do you guys hear that? Your chief end is to be happy, and your feelings are the guide. You, you need to put some crosshairs on that and realize that is a lie. And, 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 in the, and, and in religious circles, we take that kind of to a new level because there's this idea that runs around in a lot of even Christian circles that, you know what, if there's a God, and, you know, of course, we believe there's a God, he is totally on board with this. He is so supportive of you. He wants you to be good the way you define good. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. 
and he'll show up for you if you're ever unhappy. Can I just tell you guys something? God doesn't care if you're happy. He cares if you're good. And if you're good, you'll be happy. And God will smash your happiness if that's what it takes to make you good so you can be truly happy. The crazy thing about this lie is that the tactic has literally never changed since the Garden of Eden. It's the same lie that Satan told Adam and Eve, and the results have never changed. There's a way that seems right to a man, and the end of that way is death. Wisdom's first lesson is the fear of the Lord. You know what the fear of the Lord is? It is radical trust. Radical trust in God. And that means God takes the wheel of your life. And guess what? There's no co-pilot. If God is your co-pilot, you are in the wrong plane. God has no co-pilots. He just takes over the plane. <laughs> and I believe that many of, uh, I, I, I believe many of us, even here at Trinity, you know, I, I'd like to think we take Christianity very seriously here, but I think we just need to have a little bit of a come to Jesus moment sometimes, or we could call it a Mount Carmel moment. You remember that moment on, on Mount Carmel when Elijah said to the people, of, the people of Israel, to God's people, if God is God, if Yahweh is God, serve him. And if Baal is God, then go serve him. You cannot be on the fence about this. You are... You, do you trust the all-wise God for your life, or do you trust you? I mean, it's, it's, it's one or the other. Do you trust God, or do you trust your own mind? Are you, are you prepared seriously, intentionally, practically to come under the word of God in your life? And, 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 and more than that, let's get real. Come under God's arrangement of the teachers and the counselors and the mentors in your life. That, yes, that means come under God's work through your parents. I mean, let's get real. It's you and God, and it's also God's providential arrangement of the people he's put in your life to speak wisdom. Will you come under that and engage that and receive that? Or do you have a better way? And the fruit of hearing Lady Wisdom, it's not an easy life. It does not lead to constant pleasant feelings. But I do want to briefly mention how hearers get blessed. How hearing gets blocked, noise issues, trust issues, but how hearers get blessed. And this is where my heart has just beat for you guys since many of you were very little. There are two blessings that hearers of Lady Wisdom receive. Number one, you'll receive settledness. Settledness. Because as you hear God, you're going to find that somebody who has authority you don't have and can never have this someone with all authority in heaven and earth has settled your identity. My son, my daughter. That's what God says to you in Christ. That's what your baptism means. God says, you're not your own. You are bought with a price, the blood of my own son. As much as Jesus is my child, you are my child. That's who you are. That's what your baptism means. That's why we are so hardcore about baptism at Trinity. God has spoken who you are. God has spoken his verdict over your life. It doesn't matter what you think about you. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. God says you're mine. And with that settled identity, which just frees you from all kinds of stuff that's pulling on your peers, you also receive a settled purpose. You're part of God's kingdom. You're an agent of that kingdom. You have a lifelong mission to love the Lord your God, to love your neighbor. Your goals in life will change all, all, many times your goals will change, but that mission, that settled purpose, 
I'm here to love God and love my neighbor. That will never change. You will be settled. You will experience in knowing God and listening to him rest that energizes. Rest in yourself and your soul that moves you and compels you to redeem the time. You'll experience settledness, but secondly, you will experience skillfulness. Hearers are blessed not just with settledness, but with skillfulness. Because settled people are ready to grow. What do I mean? When you know who you are, and you know what you're for, (laughs) you're not in doubt about that. I know who I am. I know what I'm for. It frees you to go live accordingly. There's a great little book uh, by a guy named James Clear called Atomic Habits, where he talks about this. I don't think he's even a Christian, but listen to what he says. He says, the ultimate form of motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. I'm indebted to Bracey for putting me onto this book. He says, it's one thing to say I'm the type of person who wants X. It's very different to say I'm the type of person who is that. True behavior change is identity change. I know who I am. That's why I live this way. I put off the habits of that old thing I once was because I'm putting on the habits and the practices, this new thing that I am in Jesus. It's called discipleship. Not that anymore, but this. The settledness moves you into skillfulness. And what you're going to find as a Christian is that all kinds of skills fit your identity. Man, if I'm, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, a child of God, an agent of Christ's kingdom, I'm interested in intellectual skills. I mean, truth matters. Hard questions matter to me. God made reality to be explored. I'm interested in intellectual skills because of who I am and what my purpose is. I'm interested in moral skills. I want to understand what is righteousness and justice and how can I participate in righteousness and justice. I'm interested as a Christian in emotional skills that I rule my passions and I know how to build up my own emotional health and build up other people's emotional health. That's a skill. I'm interested. I'm in. Teach me. Relational skills. God put me here to serve, so I need to learn how to love well. Verbal skills. I serve a talkative God who loves words. I want to learn how to use words and silence. Vocational skills. God made us human beings to steward his world, to cultivate it. I'm all in on all these skills because all of them fit my identity. I'm in my father's world. There's so much to learn here. You'll become skillful because if you're a learner, if you're a listener, if you're a listener, not full of yourself, if you're a learner, you're going to find the world is full of teachers. If you're a learner, the world's full of teachers. If you're a blockhead, you'll find a lot of people just kind of feel like they're obstructions to you. But if you're a learner, the world is full of teachers who can show you what skills you need, can show you how to get them. There's so much to do. And it's so exciting. You know, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And I love Christian zeal for the preservation of these babies. I do hope we have a comparable zeal to nurture life once it comes into the world. I know people who would stand and picket at an abortion clinic who are doing an absolutely atrocious job of raising their kids for Jesus. These words, Moses says, that I am commanding you today shall be in your heart and you shall Talk of them with your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. A constant conversation with your children about the ways of the Lord. And he who has ears, dear saints, let him hear. All right. Father in heaven, we ask you to bless this series and bless our lives through it. For your glory in Jesus' good name. Amen.